Hello, everyone. My friend Alana Zeri joins me again on the podcast today. We are talking about holiday traditions, different religious traditions, and the value that they have had at different times in our lives. Alana is a Toronto-based entrepreneur. He and his family co-own a bakery that has products all over the country of Canada and the U.S. Um, their products are in Costco and other places, and they also own a wonderful restaurant called Parallel in Toronto. So Alana is a dear friend and a wise soul, and it's lovely to have him in conversation, especially about the parts of our well-being that are that are kind of nuanced, the ways that the families that grew, we grew up in, the traditions that they held shape us as adults and as professionals. Alana comes from a Jewish background. I come from a, an evangelical Christian background. And in our conversation today, we're exploring the value of those traditions held for us specifically around holidays and are also thinking about how to connect with some of those desires and needs this year, given that a lot of our uh, maybe traditional practices are less available than they've been before. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. Well, um, I was just surprised the other day when I was having a conversation with some people and they were like, oh, oh Hanukkah's not really a real holiday. And I've heard different people have different experiences of like the importance of Hanukkah or whether it's sort of a counterbalance, a cultural counterbalance to Christmas or whether there's really deep significance in the holiday for folks. So I, I wondered how you feel about that. Like, is Hanukkah real? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm not really an authority in any way uh, on religion, but uh, I, I do have a, the Jewish background and my grandfather was Orthodox Jew in the middle of Jerusalem. And uh, as you imagine, like dressed in black and goes to synagogue every day and and uh, had a, actually a synagogue under his house. So he kind of owned the building and the synagogue and the congregation came there. So I've learned a little about that. When it comes to Hanukkah, uh, it is, I heard that, well, they say it's not in the Bible. Um, so the Bible ha was written from, I don't know, 4,000 BC up until maybe for along 4,000 years or just under. And Hanukkah happened when the Greek Empire was uh, occupied Israel, and uh, there was a, a rebellion um, in Israel uh, against the Greeks, and the the Jews. I'm, I'm maybe botching this, but uh, uh, in Jerusalem and that's okay. If people want religious history, they can go to a different source. Okay. <laughs> the, the whole story was there that the, the Jews were resisting, and in that, for that, in that case, the, these details are true. The occupation and it obviously backfired on them eventually. <laughs> they lost, and then they, they were dispersed. The Jews in Israel were dispersed several times. Uh, the two major times, 
happened, but one by the Babylonians and second time by Romans and the Greeks also. So the gist of it is they were under siege and they lit a menorah for light, a menorah being a source of light. And uh, the oil they had in this siege was supposed to last just one day. And in reality, it ended eight days. So there was all that. And, th and that was after the time, I guess, the Torah was written, the Old Testament. So Jews celebrate that. And is it a, like, did Jews enhance Hanukkah to, uh, for the kids? So I know they, they give uh, children uh, kind of a coin every day. So my grandfather's was very orthodox. So they didn't really, there were no, they didn't want to be superficial, but they still gave a little, a coin a day, but it wasn't presents upon presents. It was just kind of, here's a little tension. In North America and, and the West, I mean, it's developed to be a, a Christmas wannabe times eight. <laughs> so, but we, we don't really celebrate that. I do like the, the light element. I, I don't know. It's, it's, I find that all, a lot of religions have taken after pagan religions or pagan sources where it's so dark at this time of year and we're just looking for light to bring happiness and and shed away the darkness i know in toronto the it gets dark now at, at 4 p.m and then later in the morning does the sun come up so i i enjoy lighting lights and there, there i think there's something with that so yeah i mean i think there's the the socio-cultural meaning of a holiday like that and you know, when we talk about from my tradition, Christmas, like there's all of this build up, there's significance around what it means in relationships, how you give gifts, how you celebrate together. And then there's the like quieter spaces, which I feel like is is maybe what you're we're talking about in the, the last comment you just made, the quieter spaces in your own heart and mind of appreciating, oh, we have this tradition that fills our home with light, or is this noticing of the entrance of light during a really dark time in the year. So I'm curious, do you like, do you hold dear, like a certain Christmas in your life? Do you have a, an example for a time in your life that was the best Christmas that, that I don't know, brought you together, brought light, however, whatever is important to you? I'm curious. You know, I, I don't know if I, if I would say that I do. I will say that my feelings about Christmas and my memories of Christmas are changing significantly now that my dad is no longer with me. So this will be the third Christmas since my dad died. And I find much more comfort and joy in the memories of my childhood Christmases than I did beforehand. I think, you know, one of the things about Christmas as a young person for me is that my family was so strange, sorry, mom, about gift giving. <laughs> and I think it came from there. My parents came from farming communities in Indiana and it was, it was totally normal to get like your year's worth of, of new warm, cozy socks for Christmas. And they, they were just simple people of simple means and that's how they grew up. But I think for me, when I was, you know, 11 and getting socks for Christmas, I was like, wah, wah, wah. like, did your friends get more? Were you in a community what, that you, that stood out? Yeah, I grew up in a community where most of my friends and the people around me had more money than my family. And so their gifts were more extravagant. And again, I think that bothered me a little bit as a as a child and as a teenager, but I am very detached from that now. And I think about the things that my parents did do that really brought a lot of magic to our Christmas experience. And I feel really, really grateful 
And I do think that there's, there's this value in creating a little bit of magic. I mean, my dad would fill our living room with like rainbow twinkly lights. Like it was actually gaudy and horrible. But when you were a kid, it was like this, our whole house is full of rainbow twinkle lights. Like it was really special. Do you avoid the sock department these days or <laughs> you walk around? It? <laughs> it's funny because now I really appreciate <laughs> a really uh, a really great pair of warm fuzzy socks trauma averted <laughs> yeah yeah it's okay it's all been re- reconciled but i do think that sometimes holidays can create some pain when there's this gap in expectations or there's this space between what people find meaningful and then how their families show up because i will say as a psychologist like the holidays are a time when my phone is ringing off the hook. Like people are going home to visit families, of course, in a normal year, maybe not this year. And they're getting tossed back into these old family dynamics. And it's a time that's like wrought with a lot of pain for, for people. So I'm under no illusion that it's, it's only sort of these happy, rosy memories. Yeah. It's that expectation thing. I think Uh, to me, I, I look at holidays, not in any religious way but the traditions and the traditions of bringing people together and just having a good time together that's that's kind of those are my memories uh, from the childhood and it's funny you said that i uh, just uh, that you now that your father's gone you miss him it's or or the the christmases seem more special yeah so as a kid we used to go to our grandfather's house one weekend a month and we were not religious at all and but we'd come come there to jerusalem drive up and put the yarmulke on and pretend to be religious from sundown Friday till sundown Saturday. And we'd be forced to go to synagogue the Friday night, the Saturday morning for two to three hours. And think about it, like uh, from a, a three years old up until 16, go and sit with all these like religious, ultra-religious adults and kids. And we kind of stood out like a, a Thor's thumb. And I'd sit there for two or three hours and I, all I could do is think about everything else but uh, religion. But today I look at it in a, in a positive way. It, there, there was a lot around, a lot of stuff happened around that where you take the breaks and you'd go upstairs to eat and then you, you all go together. And, and it's funny how time affects our, at least my memories of, of that. And I don't look back at it as negative, even though I would say my suffering level <laughs> during during those uh, times were, were I'd, I'd say a nine out of 10. I, <laughs> <laughs> so it very, it's interesting. Are you celebrating Hanukkah this year? I'm bad. So my ex and kids are lighting candles. Wait, why are you bad? Why do you begin it with like the, the self-shaming? Like, Well, you know, flogging and that I kind of, <laughs> I, I enjoy that sometimes, <laughs> but that's for another uh, talk. We have a more, more censored one, but yeah. So, so the answer is no, not this one. I do enjoy, we have, and this kind of goes back. One thing that held our family together for, for a long time were Friday night dinners. So it, it's not a specific religious day, but it's uh, you do it, Jewish families get together on Friday night to uh, welcome the Sabbath and everybody after synagogue would go and eat and sit together. And uh, usually everybody gets together that, that day. So we went through a lot as a family and we broke up and, and changed form, but we still kept meeting every Friday night. And and those traditions that keep people together, our, our family together, I really love. So that's why there was a negative connotation where I'm bad, because 
<laughs> it's nice to start, you sit, stand around the candles, you light them, you eat a, a souvganiya, which is a, a donut with a jelly inside, but now they have fancy ones with chocolate and hazelnut, and I really like that part. Sometimes my father would make that those uh, the Yemenite-style donuts, which were really amazing, and the house fills in like frying scents, and it's so, so good, like you cannot keep away from it. Donut shop. Yeah. And it's a weird donut. It's like an odd round one. It's like it, it drips into the oil and it can make all kinds of shapes. And it's really good. Yeah. So that element uh, I, I miss. And uh, I, I need to sometimes force myself to do it to remind myself because it's so easy to drift away from it. It's like life takes over. So you, it sounds like even though you aren't necessarily practicing on your own this year, that there's some value in it for you or, or you're aware of some of the the joy or the centering maybe that it brings to your life. Yeah, definitely. And and with our family, when we get together, so it's the Jewish New Year, uh, Passover, Hanukkah, maybe a little less, but there are a bunch of Jewish holidays we don't necessarily celebrate that we get together around 20 or 25 people. I guess it's similar to Thanksgiving or Christmas where also members of your family, but also adopted members of your family that over the years, kind of you, you get together and they become family, which is, I think, even more beautiful that people that you don't have to spend time with, but you want to and choose to and get to that level of comfort and, and then create a routine and uh, uh, get together that, uh, and the kind of expectation also. And even though it's a lot, it's a lot of work to prepare for, uh, everybody craves it. Even the kids, how they remember their childhood, a lot of it uh, revolves around these gatherings. Do you guys do the Thanksgiving get together? Is it a big thing for you? Well, we, for the most of my adult life, I've not actually my entire adult life, not lived in the same city as my family of origin. Same is true with my husband. So we've always, it's always been something that we had to travel for, but generally we have done at least Christmas or Thanksgiving, a big family get together. And yes, they're, they're mostly lovely and then also frustrating and all, you know, everybody gets, again, like I said, sort of back into their childhood dynamic. And so we always leave with lots of talk about, but, but again, they're really, really sweet memories and experiences that I really missed this year. Yeah. It's like, you have two opposites. One is the family get together and then the, the people that really miss it. And, and as you said, like you get a lot of calls this time of year because it, it, it Probably people remember or notice the loneliness element of not getting together. So people sometimes suffer from the get-togethers, but after they see them fondly or they, they don't go through it and, and it kind of sucks. How are you redeeming that for yourself this year? Is your family gathering? Are you able to gather? I know that different locations have different case counts and different sort of risk levels with the pandemic. Yeah, uh, we we get together on Zoom. So our father, my father is 85 and we are really weary of his health and he's less <laughs> kind of once in a while we'll we'll knock on the door and and uh, we we go see him but we keep a distance. For instance, the Hanukkah first uh, candle, it's, so it's eight days that you light a candle. So actually, this is what you do. Basically have a have a Hanukkah, which is uh, you light uh, has room for eight candles and then you every night you uh, at sundown get together, light a candle, make a blessing and have some sweet stuff and talk and laugh. And then it goes on. So there is no real religious element to it. So hence the not being part of the Old Testament. But the first one we did do on, on Zoom, 
and we had my brother's family on it, uh, my other brother and his uh, partner, our father and us. So it did it did happen. And and I think it happens in now smaller. So the, uh, my, my ex and um, the kids do it every night. And that's the part I, I kind of miss. But I think uh, my ex can't see me one day after another for eight days. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a peaceful family experience. <laughs> Even though we care very much for each other and love each other, uh, I think that eight days with me will uh, remind her <laughs> why you're no longer married. <laughs> why things are the way they are. Put aside the sexuality thing. <laughs> and by the sexuality thing, meaning that you're now partnered with a man. Uh, that little thing, yeah. <laughs> that, lo- that little detail. Very, not that little of a detail, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Our family is doing um, Christmas differently this year because it's been such a long year. And I think the other part is is because the case count is really high in Minnesota now, every everything is quite locked down. Like gyms are closed and, you know, we're really in that second peak here. So our kids are just home all the time. So we decided instead of doing this big ramp up to Christmas and Christmas morning and all the gifts, we're practicing Advent, which is an older liturgical tradition that maps onto the church calendar. And it's the countdown of four Sundays, the Sundays between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that each Sunday has a theme. One is hope, one is peace, and then there's joy and love. And so each of those has a a candle that you light and then a, a you know, kind of thematic element to it. I can't believe you stole the candles from us. I know, right? We stole it from the pagans. <laughs> you stole it from us. There's just a <laughs> lot of stealing. And also people like candles. So <laughs> religion, grand theft. <laughs> it is funny though, these universal elements. And I yeah, I think for a while in my religious journey, knowing that some of the elements of the religious traditions had pagan overlays felt to me like, oh, that that in some way diminishes them or makes them less sacred. Or it's like, turns out like Christians aren't the only one who thought of lighting candles in preparation for something special, that that in some way diminished it. But now I just really see it as this, it's like this universal love of beauty and need for light. So it's okay for me now. <laughs> I had like periods in my life that I was more uh, inclined to be uh, spiritual and more religious. And, and I, I kind of learned more and played with the idea of becoming more religious until I didn't. <laughs> and, but now what I, I do love is, you know, Jew, Jews think they, they're the first for everything and they have the, you know, God talk directly to them and nobody else. And I loved learning that, that Judaism also got a lot of stuff from Zoroastrianism, the Zoroastrian religion which some people know may know it started in Iran, Persia area before Judaism. And, and then I was looking, reading a book c- comparing the different uh, rituals. There are so many common r- rituals to all these ancient uh, religions. Nobody has any, c- can claim anything for as being first. And I think it comes down to, it's our, our human need for light when it's dark. It's our human need to see people. To me today, church or synagogue or mosque, all it is, is people needing other people to be together. Of course, there are elements of spirituality to that. I think, though, that the people that practice the true spirituality that, that go to the, these things, these places, are, it's a very small percentage. Most people go there for basic need of belonging to a community, which is really nice. For me, I, I, I want to exclude myself from community. <laughs> but, 
I see a community and I want to be a few feet away from it, but I still want it to be in, in eyesight. <laughs> so. You sort of know it's there, but not necessarily have to have anybody touch you. Yeah, I want to get annoyed with it, but I still want it to be there. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of us feel about religious institutions. Yeah. So Advent, I heard about, but I never really knew. Is, that's not where you eat fish, right? Or you stop eating meat. That's another... No, that's Lent. Lent. Advent and Lent. I'm confusing the two. Well, I think in some ways similar to Hanukkah, after the, the, the Bible was canonized or sort of sealed, the documents that we now know as the Bible were kind of solidified as like, this is what's in and these other things are out. Different traditions began to overlay the original biblical text. And so one of those is is the church calendar, the liturgical calendar. So if you follow the liturgical calendar, there are like kind of different themes or different readings really for every Sunday in a, in a year. And so Lent is like the countdown to Easter. That's, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's Mardi Gras, which is like the big party where you get all of your debauchery out. And then you enter this period of, of kind of cleansing and internal thought. And it's also, you know, kind of in winter as it's as winter is ending and spring is beginning. Interesting. I so the Mardi Gras is also it's no Mar, Mardi Gras is not a Christian celebration, is it? It's an add-on. It's an add-on. It is. Oh my god. It's an add-on. Yeah. In Judaism, what they do is they read the Old Testament. So you basically every weekend you read the Bible. That's when when you go to synagogue and you read a certain section within 365 days. Actually, probably it's not 365 because it's a, goes according to the lunar calendar, but by the end of the lunar year, you finish reading the Old Testament altogether. So every year you read it fully if you go to synagogue every Saturday. And then each period during the, the year will represent different times. And then the spring, so you'll have the Passover basically falls in line with your Easter, which falls in line with Zoroastrian Nuruz, which falls in line probably with a bunch of other things. There's your overlay I like the overlay. Like, I like that there are traditions upon traditions and practices and rituals upon practices and rituals. And again, like I said before, like there was a time in my life where that felt like it compromised the sacredness of the tradition that I came from. But, you know, I really no longer feel like that. I, I really enjoy the universal longings that I think the traditions are attempting to speak to or feed. And I think especially because I live in a place now that has these really specific seasons, you know, as a Californian, you're like, eh, lighting candles, it's cool. Like it's still 75 degrees and sunny. It, you know, it doesn't mean something in the same way, but now living in Minnesota, it's dark and it's cold. And even when I turn the corner and drive on my street and I see our home and there's a Christmas tree all lit up with rainbow sparkly lights. Thanks dad. Um, in the window of our house and it, I can see it down the street and it's sort of this beacon of like, Oh my gosh, there's my house. And it's joyful and full of light and color and shiny balls and like all of these decorations. And it feels different than it has in other parts of my life where maybe I didn't have quite that deep visceral awareness of the dark and the cold. Do you feel that the, your father's like you, you are now the, the head of the family and now it's your job to decorate that tree? I do. Yeah. 
we have the tradition in our family where we actually have two trees. And I will own that this is because my kids love to make things. And when they were really little, they made really weird things mostly themed around video games. And I was like, okay, I love your art and I want to celebrate you, but I also don't want your crap all over my tree. So we have a grown up tree. And then you have a tree in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) And we have a kin tree that's full of rainbow sparkly starlights and video game things. I think you need to mix them, Sherry. Oh no, they're so beautiful. Both beautiful in their own way. That's cool. I, I love Christmas trees. I love driving outside and seeing the light that they, uh, the big trees that, that are decorated. And, and it's just nice. Uh, actually going through the Jewish neighborhoods where there isn't as much light because the, there isn't that tradition of the light is you, you light your Hanukkah, your menorah, but that's it. I think now slowly they're doing more, but going through the fancy streets here in Toronto and getting that kind of, you can almost get a suntan from the, all the lights on the trees and, and then uh, it's, and, and rooftops. It's beautiful. Yeah. I guess like if someone's listening in there, they are feeling like uh, maybe they had a religious element to their upbringing or they've been a bit disconnected from some of those traditions. Maybe our conversation is making them feel a little like, Oh, huh. I wonder if that'd be helpful. I don't know. Are there any, is there anything that you'd like to say? So I'll, I'll just say about loneliness because loneliness is, is so prevalent and you know it better than I do. But, you know, we all go through periods in our life that we are lonely. I know I had a couple of years, more than a couple of years in my youth and a little later on where I was basically by myself most of the time. And it worked okay for me because I got to know myself and and I had routines and I had my family. They were not close. They were further away, but they were still there. And there was that love and connection. But I still, it was, it was kind of, uh, I, I kind of learned to enjoy melan- being melancholy. But what, what I'm trying to say about it t- for today is when I feel lonely today, I will li- lift the phone or send a text or, or email and I'll try and connect with a couple of people, even if I haven't talked to them for a while and, and just start a conversation, ask them how they are. Um, try and remember something. And it's so interesting that a lot of us are so inward focused. We always think, myself included, it's me, what, what's going on with me. But we forgot people around us are in a similar situations. And the moment I break that link and, and I try and reach out, not to one person, more than that, because, you know, maybe that one person isn't in that the exact state of mind of communicating, but then, you know, you get them to reach back and, and create that. And I, I really like that ability, or at least to have that thought that it, that can be done. And uh, it's a statistical thing. Try it with a few people and then try and see someone and that. And, and the ball usually rolls from there on. So that, that's what I have to say about that. How about you? Have you had like times where you were by yourself? You got married very young also. So yeah, uh, b- being by myself is not an experience that I've had very much. <laughs> Loneliness is a little different than that. I think, you know, people can be in a crowd of people and be very lonely and people can even be in a a pretty lovely attended, attentive family and feel some loneliness. So I'm definitely not a stranger to loneliness, but sometimes it's like really decadent and lovely for me to be in a room alone. (laughs) Um, But I, I do think that recognizing that feeling of loneliness or the distress around it, and then leaning into what's what's actionable and whether that's sending a text or calling someone or whether it is 
within yourself and within your, your isolation, returning to a practice or a creative action that has brought meaning in the past, like finding some beauty in the loneliness, filling, lighting the candles or filling your house with light, even if you're doing it alone, being experimental with different experiences that fill that space. And again, I think especially this year, because so many of our our patterns are disrupted and there's this need to kind of reinvent or redeem the ways of finding meaning or finding comfort or bringing light into this sort of darker season. Yeah, I think there are so many avenues, like we have so much communication around us. Our phone will have several apps with all these uh, ways to communicate with people. We're online we're on, and, and yet there is loneliness. There's so much noise around us, but definitely could be internal loneliness. And I don't know why I... <laughs> came to my mind how people, a lot of times, if they want to do business, they join synagogue or a church to get to know a, a community. And like, there's a whole business element to joining religious groups and that could, could thrive. I, I'm thinking of friends that have done that and it was a premeditated decision, but uh, they, they also got potential customers and eventually also uh, friends and relationships. So I don't know why I thought about that. It's interesting. I, I judged, I was judgy about it, but I shouldn't be. It, it's just, that's legitimate. It's uh, it's, still. it's a place where people gather, whether you're looking for business relationships or friendships or whatever. It doesn't mean that that's, that you can't still have some sense of like transformation or development or spiritual movement, but yeah, whatever gets you in the door. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Literally. Uh, yeah, I, as I grew up at first that uh, we, I had religion as it was very indoctrinated. It's do this, do that, do this, do that. Why? Because, because it's written, because it's written in the Torah. And I mentioned earlier that there were times that I, I kind of played with uh, spirituality within religion and I joined the Kabbalah center, uh, a bunch of years ago. And just to get that uh, different perspective uh, and a lot more spiritual. And there are a lot of, uh, you know, questions about that specific group also, the Kabbalah Center, but it definitely opened the door to me to spirituality within religion. And I found that fascinating. There's so much ancient wisdom within, I know within Judaism, but then also I have friends who are Muslim and, and they have their Sufi and their wisdom, the wisdom they have there is un unbelievable. I I connect so, so well with people who are looking for spirituality within religion. And then you look at the Far East uh, wisdoms and, and it's, it's all there. So I like that connection too. So you can have the bulk of the people are following orders. And, and again, without judgment, they don't go too deep. Hopefully more people will and are, but, and then you have a group within the group that are looking for that. Uh, why is this? And they ask questions and it's okay to, it's okay to challenge and it's okay to think. And I think that there is a connective thread that between the groups within the groups that are asking the questions and holidays, basically sometimes I'm like, why am I, why is this, why did they choose this day to celebrate? Why is this the new year? Why is it? And then obviously there are the connections to paganism and then, uh, you know, beginning of the year, the end of the year, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it could be also because, just because we put a stake in the ground and we, and it creates this repetition and we'll get back to it. And hopefully we dig deeper every time. And even if we don't, it's okay. We get to eat together. <laughs> we get to eat together. Beautiful. Well, maybe not this year, but hopefully soon they'll be breaking bread with great joy. In the meantime, we'll sort of suffice to light our candles and wave to each other on Zoom. Let's do that. 
Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health bootcamp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.